If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 351 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Ian Fleming of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a massive week in the world of mixed martial arts in Ireland, especially there's a world title fight coming to the Irish shores. Um, for the, I, I was going to say the first time, but we had one there like four months ago, so... Uh, if my memory serves me correctly, which it does, because I remember standing there as uh, as old Patricky held uh, held a belt up in Ireland. Um, but we have another one coming this week. We have we have a good few Irish fighters, a lot of Irish fighters at the top of the car, but not as many as you'd expect, maybe uh, at the the bottom half of the car. But we're going to start off uh, the podcast talking about that today. And myself and Graham will break down the whole card, uh, and then we we'll talk a little bit. I'll throw it over to Sean Sheehan. And uh, he will talk, and maybe someone else with him. Uh, we will see. But there might be a special guest. Maybe it'll be himself. Maybe Graham will be with him. Who knows what will happen between this pre-recording and after the fights? Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about Bellator, Logan Storley against Neiman Gracie, the UFC, and all of that as well. Before we do any of that, we must tell you that this week's podcast, as it has been for a good while, is brought to you by our good friends over at Manscaped. If you haven't supported Manscaped, Please do, because they support us, so it'll be, it'll be absolutely great. And there's exciting news from our friends at Manscaped, uh, because they've launched their fourth generation performance package. It's the 4.0, um, and Manscaped, if you don't know them, they're the leaders in males grooming, uh, and they've done it again with their next level game. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the new performance package 4.0. Go to manscaped.com, and you can get 20% off and free shipping. The free shipping is great, uh, with the promo code SEVERMMA. Uh, so this performance package 4.0, it, it has arrived and it was absolutely worth the wait. I know it came a little bit later over here to Ireland in the UK, but it's it's here now and you can get it. Um, and inside you'll find the uh, Lawnmower 4.0, which is a weed... Um, uh, a weed whacker, ear, nose and hair trimmer as well. Sorry, you get with it, as well as the Lawnmower. So the Lawnmower 4.0... Uh, is uh, is a trimmer that kind of does everything. It is a ceramic blade, uh, cutting edge to reduce grooming incidents, uh, advanced skin safe technology on that with the 7,000 RPM motor, uh, a new on and off function as well, waterproof and all of that. Also with the, um, as I mentioned uh, briefly a second ago, is the ear whacker, which is an ear and nose hair trimmer. And also you get the crop preserver ball deodorant and the crop reviver as well. And they're absolutely fantastic. The weed whacker for your uh, nose and ears has a 9,000 RPM motor power, 360 degree, degree 360 degree 
rotary dual blade system. Uh, it'll get all those fecking stuff inside, reduces nicks, snags, and the whole lot as well. Absolutely brilliant. And then, as I mentioned, you can seal the deal with the liquid formulations, the crop preserver for ball deodorant, hop out the shower, lash that straight on, then the crop reviver. You're in the middle of the Bellator's happening this week, you're above there, inside in the jacks. Halfway through build or a little bit a little bit of a spread or freshen yourself up for the for the night ahead. Trust me when I tell you fellas, your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two gifts for their performance package. So if you're going up, try on the boxes for the night and put all your stuff into the shed travel bag, which I have right behind me here. I'm moving around my desk and stuff, and uh, I, I have one of my, uh, my my shed travel bag here and I'm gonna bring it with me this weekend. So I absolutely uh, will get use out of that. So for all of that. All in the performance package 4.0. You can get 20% off of that and free shipping with the code SEVERMMA over at manscaped.com. Uh, your balls have been true enough this past year. Treat them with the best tools for the job at Manscaped. So get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code SEVERMMA over at manscaped.com. All uh, right, Graham, let's let's get straight into Bellator Dublin. And I, I kind of said there on, on the intro that there's a lot of Irish guys up at the top of this car, not at the very top, but in, in the co-main event. Uh, obviously, Brian Moore is at the very top, and, and Irish guys and gals, should we say, because the, the biggest fight on this card is is um, Sinead Kavanagh and Liam McCourt, for Irish people anyway. I know the, the main event is probably bigger for most people. But on the undercard, there isn't that many Irish people you know, coming through the Irish scene. Now, there is a lot of people who are fighting out of SBG and uh, you know associated with, with the gym, absolutely, but... On the undercard, uh, and th- this is weird because like Topology have it different from Bellator, who have it different from uh, um, <laughs> Dog, who have it. They're all different. So f- from time of recording, we'll go by the card here that they have on uh, uh, that Bellator sent us because there you would know them. But we have Lee Hammond, Nathan Kelly, Danny McCormack, uh, and Kieran Clark, and, and Dara Kelly as well. Sorry. So on the undercard. That's not that many. You know, usually we have a lot more. We have loads of Irish people, maybe a few making their debuts. You know, we ha- we used to have the likes of, of a Will Flory or maybe a Johnny Jitsu or, you know, uh, a Carl Moore or uh, Richie Smullen and all. Loads of different lads. But now it's it's kind of fewer on this card. And I, I think I was talking about it in the, in the group maybe the other day. And, you know, I think it was Andy kind of suggested it's, it's a bit of a, a Bamator card. It's like, but in like the truest sense of the word, in terms of like, it's a Bellator card with some Irish people on it, but not like a, a Bellator kind of Europe card. It's, it's a, it's a weirdly different card, isn't it? And I, I, I kind of like it because there's a, a, some quality in it as well. But, you know, you ha- you have some odd kind of fights in the middle of it with good quality, but and then some good Irish up and comers. But I feel like at the moment, I don't know. Do, do you agree? Bellator is missing kind of that mid-level Irish fighter at the moment. Someone who's like, you, you know, we have the the people I mentioned there, the the Sinead and and Leah who are top ranked, and Brian Moore who's just outside the rankings, I would say, and obviously Peter Queeley who just fought for the title, and then we have everyone else from Ireland who's on this is. You know, an up and coming pro kind of Danny McCormack and Kieran Clark four and five and all, but they would probably admit you know that they're a couple of years away from a title shot or maybe whatever whatever yeah. that might well, be. I th- so I think it's yeah. a I think it's a result of like cuts in Bellator, you know, cutbacks and lo- losing the DAZN. I don't know how you you say that. The zone. Days and the zone deal probably affects it, and you know you can get these kind of very young pros up and coming a lot cheaper than you can get the kind of mid mid. Um, 
career guys that they had before and it's a lot cheaper so maybe maybe that's what they're going for here but you know um if it wasn't for that we probably would have saw a few more irish guys on the card here but you know looking at it we have a we have a fair bit of interest throughout the card and obviously at the the top of the card bar the main event so there's definitely more than enough to keep the, the crowd interested there anyway yeah 100% I, I know it wasn't a criticism it was just kind of uh, you know a note that I would take compared to compared to other cards it is a little bit different to other Irish cards but there's still some very very good stuff in it and some people we want to see I want to start from from the kind of the bottom of the card that we are, have given it to, to the top and I'm going to talk about Lee Hammond for a second because anyone in the Irish MMA scene has known Lee Hammond for years and you've you know you've obviously seen him train and obviously he's been part of the Conor McGregor camp for years and years and years as as a jiu-jitsu tr- uh, partner and all of that and he everyone knows about his his jiu-jitsu uh, from an amateur um fight back in the day he hit that bear and ball that kind of went uh went viral on severe mma and then he made his pro debut a couple of months ago and he came out and he looked like a striker you know he was throwing jabs and he was throwing beautiful shots and i think it's it's difficult to know sometimes when we watch a lot of the amateurs and we talk, we talk a little bit about the national amateur championships uh, yesterday which at the time of recording of this are, are still going on so uh, it, it's great to see it but Lee Hammond obviously was you, you never know what, where the amateurs are going to go and where, where they're going to progress or what they're going to look like as a pro but Lee Hammond looks like a pro when he made his pro debut and I think a lot of people myself included were very very exciting because when you know a guy for jiu-jitsu and then he comes out and he looks so uh, smooth on the feet, it gives you, it, it, it like, take note, you know, it, it immediately is, when sometimes you see, you know, you, you watch a lot of fights, and you're like, thinking, okay, this guy, or our, our, our lady, they could be good in the future, there. but when you see someone like Lee Hammond, who is, his reputation comes out fighting that way, that's when you kind of step back and think, oh, okay, we're going to have to really pay attention to Lee Hammond, is, is that the way you saw his pro debut too, and obviously looking forward to seeing this one at the weekend. Yeah, like I think you mentioned a few of his amateur fights there. He came out in his amateur debut and one with a spanning, uh, spinning back fist. And, you know, in, in that fight, he's obviously very young in his career. It's his first, it's his first outing. He, his basics were kind of weren't there, and but he's taken, he's taken his time. He's stuck around for a long time in amateur and built his way up and obviously fought in a lot of the... Uh, IMMAF tournaments and was was pretty successful there, you know. A uh, couple of losses mixed in. Uh, most recently, a couple of split decisions in in the uh, IMMAF before turning pro. So, you know, he, he's one and zero on his record, but he's a lot more experienced than that. He's been in big situations, and you know, as you mentioned, he's been training for a long, long time with the with the pro team. Like I remember Lee Hammond in in the old Long Mile uh, Road Gym and the SBG there, like cleaning the mats to pay his subs, you know, stuff like that. Like and just starting out. So it's it's mad to, to to watch these guys develop from such a young age and follow their career like so closely and their development and it's exciting you know when when these guys do it smart do, uh, take their career seriously and do it smartly and you know wait till they're kind of developed. Uh, he was always a good jiu-jitsu guy like uh, that was that was always a talk about Lee. But in order to be a well-rounded MMA fight and to, to go somewhere in your pro career, you're gonna need to be you're gonna need to be good at everything. And it looks you know he's obviously just made his pro his pro debut beating a four a four one zero guy but you know he looks to be really putting it all together and he looks to be comfortable in there you know a lot of guys 
in young in their pro career maybe are a bit uncomfortable because because they haven't done it that much. And I know it's different three minute rounds to, to five minute rounds, and the kind of the, the tactics of the round and all that stuff are, are different. But he, he he looks to be really developing perfectly and taking the right steps at the right time. And I expect him to go out there and, and beat Jamie Hay, even though I, I don't know much about Jamie Hay. Yeah, I watched uh, Jamie Hay's two professional fights. They were both on on FCC over in the UK, so thankfully we were able to see him. Now both of them were against. I think one was an O and seven guy, and one was an O and five. Yeah, so yeah. he literally just went out there and just won the two fights in in seconds but on the commentary Brad Wharton was talking about him uh, and and our very own Callie Steve as well was talking about him and saying he's been around the scene for a long time and he's great friends with a lot of people on the scene and he's fought a lot of amateur fights as well and I think maybe even a couple of fights that are maybe not on any of the records I think so he's a guy that's been around for a long time as well and you know it's, it's, it's easy maybe to go out and say oh he's only beaten no one but you know you you could be a no one too if, if you go out and beat if you don't go out there and, and you're not good enough you can't beat them so look Lee yeah, Hammond can only uh, be what's in front of him as well and absolutely. you know he's, some guys want to take a kind of slowly slowly approach to the start of their career and you know it's it's absolutely. not a it's uh, not a slowly well, no more because <laughs> Lee Hammond will definitely yeah. be there so it's a, it's a very look it's an interesting one for both guys but very uh, young in their careers and undefeated so it'll be a very very interesting one but you know you'd have to favour uh, Lee Hammond in that one uh, the next few fights then uh, you know Nathan Kelly, another guy. I watched a few of his uh, amateur fights and different things. He, you know, he's a guy who has power. Uh, Scott Pedersen in. It's funny, all of his fights. He's one and two. I watched all three of them, and they're ba- basically it's it's you know. Do you ever watch a guy? Uh, and I and I know a lot of people maybe uh, looking at this, looking at new pros, and you see all of their fights, and it's very hard to tell like if they're a soapar or or, a, or an orthodox fighter because they spend most of the time on the ground. And that's my problem with Scott Pedersen here. He fought. Um, I think was it all three. There are definitely a couple of fights in Cage Warriors anyway. He got taken down by Matt Elliott a couple of times. And uh, it's hard to know what he is. The one fight he won, it was underground and very over very quickly as well. Um, but look, he he's a tough. You you could tell by those fighter fights, he's a tough guy. He won't be put out of there easy. And it, it, look, it's a challenge for uh, for Nathan Kelly as well, who uh, you know a, a, a good guy coming through there as well. Derek Kelly also is is on the card making his pro debut. You know anyone who's watched any uh, any Derek Kelly uh, of his amateur fights, I went back and watched a few of them this week. He is a strong, strong guy. You know, he's. I, I saw him weighing in the last time. This fight was supposed to happen the last time, uh, and, uh, and I think Junior Morgan like slipped over in the shower or something. And I, I was kind of talking to Dara for a couple of minutes, and you know, for uh, a lightweight, he, he is uh, maybe not the biggest lightweight in the world, but he's strong. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. He's a good wrestler, good striker, hits very hard. Uh, and Junior Morgan, you know, at three and is is a good prospect too. So looking forward to to seeing the the two of them. And I suppose those fights are in between a couple of fights. Go and Sakram at heavyweight, who fought in the last card against Cyril Solidnikov, and then uh, Vladimir Tokov, who's the brother, I believe, of Anatoly Tokov. Uh, he's fighting Daniel Skitizi, who has fought out of SBG for a while. And thanks to you and those ones, Graham, that I mentioned there. Looking forward to to two Kellys fighting here. A bit of Irish representation in the card. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Derek Kelly fight. Obviously, he's had a, a really successful nine and zero amateur career with wins over people like uh, Constantine Blanita and Solomon Simon, who who uh, who he submitted as well. Who's a who's a very good win, um, one to look out for as well. Um, you know, Junior Morgan's more experienced at pro, but uh, I think yeah, we we might see a see a really good performance here from Derek Kelly if he can you know keep the nerves under control or adapt to the five minutes like 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 you'd hope he would and hopefully he'll get off to a to a winning start here uh Nathan Kelly is another guy you know extensive very very long uh, amateur career and 
his opponent has a really long amateur career as well. But um, one thing about Nate Kelly is he got off to an 0-2 start in his career and he managed to turn it around. He's at 3-2 and now, you know. That's a really important, a really important um, phase in your career. Like, obviously, he had some very good wins at amateur. Uh, Owen Drumgool, Kieran Clark... Jack McGuire was a was an illegal slam, but uh, yeah, but he he's a you know these guys are much more experienced. All of these guys we're talking about here are much more experienced than than people may think. The uh, people who don't follow the the amateur scene may not have heard of these guys or may have heard very little of these guys. But you know these guys are well rounded and have have been a uh, have been you know very active at a uh, at a uh, amateur level. Indeed, one hundred percent. You know, uh, uh, we, we take a break from the Irish fight for a second because there's. I was talking about those kind of in between fights as well. I mentioned a couple of them there, but then you have Brett Johns against Kurshed uh, Kakarov. Um, I, w- I went to watch a few of his fights, and so that's going to be a tough fight. Kakarov is a very, very good top game, and he he's he can hit hard as well. He's more of a uh, he's a good top game, but he's more of a, of a striker, I would say, and. He hits, as I said, he hits our Brett Johns. We all know what Brett Johns is. He's a very good wrestler, very good jiu-jitsu guy, but a well-rounded fighter as well. And that's a kind of a fight maybe flying under the radar on that, as I think is probably Charlie Leary versus Davy Gannon. Because those two, or Davy Gallon, sorry, those two fights don't contain an Irish guy. Maybe people aren't talking about him as much, but those are ones I think when they come out after seeing a few of maybe the the, the debuting pros and stuff, we'll see a, a, maybe an uptake in, in level and, and what having you know, 20 fights does for you as a fighter. So I'm, you know, not the fights that are going to be blow away or that the crowd are going to be, you know, cheering for massively, but I'm sure people at home will uh, will enjoy them. And Stefano Paterno against Luke Pilat as well uh, is another one of those on, on, on that undercard. Um, and in the, I suppose, the two big Irish fights on the undercard would be the Danny McCormack fight. Danny McCormack, Nene obviously, she, she got married uh, since, congratulations. Um... She's obviously Nane Nielsen, if you believe Andy Ryan. Believe Andy Ryan, yeah. Nealan, Nylan, Nielsen, McCormack, Macrimuck. What are we going to Mike Goldberg was there, what do we call him? So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see that fight. I went and I watched some Stephanie Page fights, and she can hit. I'm telling you, she's a big head kick on her. She uh, has good hands in her, and she's very good from a distance. Um, and if Danny gives her that room, it'll be, you know, she, she will work in that room. So, I, I think Danny will be looking to come forward obviously the interview with Ian just went up and I'm sure she said that sort of thing with it as well it literally went up just as we're about to record so I'll catch that uh, before I head up to Dublin this week but I think on the ground I think Danny will have a big advantage uh, Paige doesn't have the best takedown defense in the world she even kind of pulls people down herself sometimes and when you get inside against her she's not the best in the world but I think this is the toughest test of Danny's career so far. I don't think she's ever fought anyone as dangerous as Paige is from uh, from Gardy. Even if you just look up uh, Stephanie Page MMA, there's a little bit of a highlight, like a two or three minute video on uh, on YouTube, and it just shows her hands. Now it's obviously a very limited thing and a highlight doesn't show in any lowlights, but she can hit very very hard and kicks hard as well. So Danny will have to be careful against her. But I think Danny, look at five and zero, oh, she's a um, you know. Uh, in a division in Bellator where they don't have the division, you know, they don't have the 115 pound uh, women's division. So, you know, I think she's a couple of fights left in her uh, on her contract here. If she can win this one and win the next one, go to seven and zero. She could be looking at the UFC. I'm sure the UFC will be looking out uh, for her. And it's it's a this is a massive fight for her. And the next fight as well, probably after that, is going to be a massive fight for her as well. And this is is a big test. I know you know Danny is. 
Danny's been around the scene for a good while now. You know, she fought obviously at amateur as well, and she's she's really burst onto the scene as a pro, I think. And all the Bellator cards so far, um, especially the last one, I think she came out and she gave a funny interview as well. You know, calling out Valerie and her her big ass or something. I think that's she said. Uh, you know, got a bit of attention, so that's that's funny as well. And she was telling telling everyone that Artem told her to call out Valerie Lareda. So um, you know, Danny's Danny's kind of garnered herself a lot of fans inside and outside of the cage in glass while and it's good to it's good to see a great time for women's MMA as well I know we'll talk about Leah and, and um, Sinead later on but what are your thoughts on Danny? she's she's definitely a good fighter isn't she looking forward to seeing her yeah she's she's a really difficult matchup for for everybody her style is uh, is very uh, difficult to stop and she's very good at sticking to a game plan I expect her to go out there and, and do that uh, uh, on Friday night or Saturday night Friday night sorry Friday night uh, <laughs> I should know I'm going um, yeah I expect her to go out and do that but you know if, if she does try to you know play to the crowd or do any of that stuff and get into a striking match as you said she could get herself into trouble but I don't expect her to do that she's she's experienced at, a, at amateur level she's experienced at pro level now already she's been in front of these big crowds before she's shown she can implement her game plan w- without much uh, problem and I expect her to go out there and do that again and maybe we'll see her step up against you know somebody slightly higher in the division if, if there is anybody signed that they can that is appropriate uh, soon or you know as you said a couple of fights she could be off to uh, the UFC yeah indeed 100% Kieran Clark, he's been around the scene for a long time as well. I know you've you've seen him fighting in, in different places. What what are your thoughts on Kieran? He's a tough matchup here against Abdu uh, Tunkara, who's fought, you know, I think he's nine fights now, seven and two, and six of those wins by knockout. Kier, Kieran has been around for a long time, isn't he? He's a type of guy as well that, you know, on his day, he's he's a tough matchup for anyone. Yeah, he's yeah he's a relentless guy. He, you know, he he tries to implement a game plan too, and you know he ran into a bit of um, a bit of trouble against Jordan Barton last time. I managed to get the kind of come from behind finish with the rear naked choke. So he's a guy that even if it's it's not going his way, he show he shows grit and determination and wears on you. And you know he's he's a very difficult matchup for for everybody as well. Uh, you know. Uh, Previous generations of Irish MMA fighters weren't, weren't really known for this type of style that we're talking about with, with Danny McCormick and, and uh, Kieran Clark. But, you know, for that style is really difficult uh, to to defend against. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys in the, in the local scene that are going to find uh, Kieran Clark very difficult uh, to beat. But, you know, this guy's a, a lot more experienced uh, than the guys, um, you know, He's a lot more experienced in terms of pro record than than Kieran. But as you mentioned with all the other guys as well, you know, I keep saying you know, but uh, Kieran Clark has been had an extensive uh, amateur career as well, a bit up and down. But you know, he's he's uh, looks to be putting it all together now. But but I think uh, different to Danny Danny McCormick, I think that he needs to be to be kind of taking him a slower road. There's a bit more talent in the in the men's division, so he probably can take his time a bit more than, than Danny McCormick in, in terms of looking yeah. to get to the UFC or something like that. I think, I think that's a great point, absolutely. He is only 4-0 and as well. We, we must remember that. Like, sometimes we get carried away with guys and, we, we you know, we, we think uh, the, the world should be the icer immediately, but, you know, I think it's better. Someone like Kieran Clark get to, to 10 or 11 fights and fighting on these sort of cards, you know, three or four times a year, I think that's probably the way to go for someone like Kieran. And that, you know, deve- you could see a talent in him, but to develop that talent. And watching a bit of Abu, it's funny because, you know, you look at his record and he's seven wins and six of them by knockout. You think he is this big knockout artist. And he look, he, he can hit hard. And he's very kind of fast, twitch, kind of... I, I don't know who he reminds me of. Who, like, a, a striker that kind of just... just 
touches you and tries to knock you out on the way in. I, I don't know. I, I was trying to think watching these fights earlier on, uh, like who he reminds me of, but I, I don't know if there's anyone kind of like him. He, he's, he's like a heavyweight or something like that, or maybe, you know, maybe a tie to Ivasa or someone even. But then he, he uses that as well to kind of get the fight to the ground. I was watching a, a fight earlier. He actually um, he, he ended up losing the fight by, uh, by injury at the end of the round, but... He he went and he landed a few of those shots and then he immediately went for a double leg. So this guy is not just um, not just a well uh, a one dimensional fighter or anything like that. He can fight everywhere and I, I think you know we've seen a lot of takedowns, a lot of good jujitsu and and uh, grappling from Kieran in his last few fights. But it's going to be hard. Uh, Tunkara is, is no joke at all on the ground uh, or on the feet. So this is a very very tough matchup. I know. I said it about Danny McCormick as well. If she wins that fight against Stephanie Page, I think it'll take her to a new level in terms of where she is in her career uh, uh, against what she has faced. And I think the same will be uh, said for for Kieran Clark because this is a this is a tougher matchup maybe than people keep uh, are giving credit for. Maybe just because they don't know him or they haven't watched a few of his fights or anything like that, he hasn't fought on any of the big shows if, if I'm not mistaken before. So that doesn't mean he's not a good fighter though, and uh, he he absolutely is. And I'm looking forward to to seeing that fight. I think that's a top the prelims so that should be a that should be a good one then the, the top four fights the main card you know the, it's funny the main event is almost flying under the radar in ireland i think because it's uh it's there's no irish guy in it but it is a world title fight in ireland and years ago we would have been talking for months and months and months about this and we would have been waxing lyrical but i think we're uh we're, we're, we're spoiled we're, now. we're spoiled <laughs> yeah we're spoiled we've too much stuff gone on now uh but Gegard there Mousasi. Could be, there, like, there could be a lot of people, you know, gone by the time. Do you think so? Like, I was th- yeah, I was thinking yeah. the same, maybe. Oh, it'd be a big decision to make, though. There's like a world title fight going on. I know a world title fight, you know, a Bellator title fight. Between Musasi, one of the legends of the sport, and Vanderfort, who's a, a, a really good up-and-comer. Like, I, it's funny, I watched uh, I watched the Musasi highlight video the other day, like, and I just, for some reason, I just Googled uh, or YouTubed Gegard Musasi, and this well, it was one of the first things that came up. And it was like a 15-minute video of him, just his finishes. And like, sometimes you wouldn't think that of Gegard. And I know he's had lots of fights. But to have that array of finishes like armbars arm and, and um, uh, knockouts and just for down through the years, he's been finishing people for a long, long time. Um, it's, it's great to be able to see a fighter like that in Ireland. But also in a matchup like this against someone who is like Vanderford eleven and all, a close fight, but beat Fabian Edwards in a certain way. And you know, if you look at at Musasi and his kind of last few years, they look they've been dominant, apart from when he met Rafael Lovato Jr. and he took him down and he wrestled him. That's exactly what Austin Vanderford will be trying to do. And I'm sure, like I'm looking forward to talking to him this week above at the media day, but I'm sure that's what he'll be looking to do. Like the last time, uh, apart from that, that Gegard Mousasi lost the fight, it was uh, it, it was in Ireland as well, if I'm not mistaken, at UFC Fight Night 75 um, above in, uh, no, it wasn't. Sorry, it was, I got mad. The, the rematch was in, uh, was in Belgium. Oh, yeah. yeah. Against uh, against Royal, yeah. So it was the first of those fights, but um, yeah, uh, it, it's uh, it's a long time. Like Musashi, that was in 2015. That that fight was in actually in Japan. The rematch said was in Belfast. Seven years, he's only lost lost that one fight. So if you are Vanderford, you're going to have to take a lot from that fight because it's going to be tough. 
do you like I actually do think Vanderford can have success here early especially now I don't know if he can keep it going I don't know if he can do it for five rounds and a point we've made a few times in the last couple of weeks I think it's it's a very very unfortunate thing for someone like Vanderford that he's never got to an experience of five round fight before because Bellator only started this week doing five round main events so he's never had the opportunity to prepare or be in a five round fight and he's thrown straight in there against Gegard Musasi with his uh, what 57 fights of experience and lots of uh, five round fights under his uh, under his uh, lots of ju- f- fights due to be five rounds under his belt T- tough enough for, for Vanderford but still he has he has ways to win doesn't he yeah, he, he has ways to win, but as you mentioned, the, the five rounds definitely works against him, in my opinion. Like, he's going to have to to get Gary Gabriel Sassi working against, to defend takedowns and get him down early and things like that, make him think about it at least and drain him a bit and do things like that. And it's going to expend a lot of energy. And as you mentioned, we've never seen him go five rounds. Maybe, he, you know, maybe he can. Maybe he can. Maybe he's got really good cardio uh, and, he can, and he can go five rounds, no problem. But. Um, as you mentioned, the experience of Gegard Musasi, he's seen it all and he's been in there with, with a who's who uh, throughout many, many years. And as you mentioned, he doesn't lose that often. You know, he may not be the, the most hyped kind of um, fighter and people talking about his, his legendary fights or anything like that, but he's, he's been in some good, some good fights with some good guys and he has a habit of coming out on the, on the, on the right end of the, the decision or the, putting guys away so you know I think as you said this is a big step up for Austin and I think it might be a, t- a step too far yeah uh, yeah it, it could be like I was, you know I was talking about some of Gegard's early wins as well you know he lost a few like if you look at the fights he's lost down through the years lost to Akihiro Gona via armbar lost uh, one of his earlier fights as well uh, Petrus McIvicus via armbar okay he lost to uh, lost to Fedor via armbar as well but then I think, look, the ones that sent out King Mo, who was, you know, a wrestler, he'd have been a striker, but he lost because I, I watched that fight back. Hold on, no, 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 that, that, that armbar lost to Fedor. Did you, did you don't remember that? That was no. a, a exhibition. Farce. That was like a pro wrestling, oh, yeah, pro wrestling right. thing where he, like, gave <laughs> the armbar to Fedor. They pretended they, they didn't tell anybody it was pro wrestling until everybody watched it and they were like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. My, I was just uh, I'm reading topology here. I'm like, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> But that was I didn't watch that this week. But I did watch the one against King Mo, and that was a legit wrestling loss as well. And you know, okay, the fights he lost after he lost a few to Machida, Jacare, and and um, Uriah. But that Lovato Junior fight is just sticking out to me. Like if that fight didn't happen, I don't know. I, I wouldn't even have a thought in my head to be honest. But. Just because that is there, I'm giving Austin Vanderford a bit of a squeak here. But look, if Musasi can keep him at some sort of distance, you know, if if he can uh, if he can circle off the cage, Lando's jazz put Austin Vanderford on the back foot. Look as well, Austin doesn't have the experience of traveling overseas. He doesn't have the experience of fighting under uh, a crowd like the Irish crowd are going to be. Maybe not necessarily for that fight, but. You know, it's going to be a raucous night and a raucous crowd, and especially it's going to have a big event feel for him backstage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's and you always talk about that as well, don't you? Like, what what is that like for a guy who's never been in that position before to be fighting in that main event? Just the nerves. It's it's massive that part of it. 
most guys, it's nerves, but some guys just embrace it and, you know, use it to their advantage. And I don't really know much, much about Austin, but, uh, you know, uh, maybe he can embrace it and use it to his advantage and rise to the occasion. But I think it's it's the percentage-wise with most fighters, it seems to, to hinder them until they get comfortable. And, you know, obviously he's been in some big fights. Fabian Edwards was a big fight, but obviously uh, Gegard Mousasi has been around forever. He's a legend of the sport, so it's it's a different level. Yeah, indeed, hundred percent. But look, I, I'm looking forward to the to the main event, and it's it's great. As I mentioned, we can we we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't just let it go and shouldn't just uh, act like it's normal. Having a, a title fight and having a legend like Edgar Musasi fighting in Ireland it doesn't happen too often, and and uh, you know we should respect it and we should uh, look forward to it and we should enjoy it. So I'm I'm definitely going to do that. Although I'll be probably running around with a camera and SD cards and all, and on, on yeah, Friday night missing so half the fights and missing yeah. out the fights, yeah, and bollocks and but you will be there to to pick up the slack anyway. So <laughs> what we do about? But um, the big three fights then I would say for for Irish MMA. Uh, Peter Quilly, Ken Musa, Sinead, Kavanagh, Liam McCourt, and Brian Moore, Jarnell Lugo. I want to leave the main event of, of Sinead and, and Leah to last. Uh, let's talk about Peter Quilly and Ken Musa. This fight, I don't know. I, I just hate this fight. And I, I hate, I don't like saying it because, I, you know, I watch some Ken Musa fights and I like Ken Musa. I think he's he's an exciting fighter. I like Peter Quilly, you know, as a fighter and as a personality as well. He's... Anytime you interview Peter, anytime you talk to inter- talk to Peter, he always has something smart to say, and that that sounded like a, a, an old Irish mother. Oh, yes, he always has something smart to say, but he always has something intelligent to say. We should put it that way. And he's he's very very good, and there's no bullshit with Peter as well when it comes to MMA, and I, I love that. But just this fight, it just makes no sense. It just like, doesn't excite. It doesn't no, excite. It doesn't. You know. Who would you have liked to, if you if you were a matchmaker? Who would you have liked Peter to go up against? I would like to see him fight Vincent Henderson. You know, Vincent Henderson fought like two or three weeks ago against just another lad. Like yeah. he could have fought. And he, he said before he'd love to fight uh, in, in Ireland. Ireland so. Yeah, it's, and and Quilly just fought for the title. He just beat the, the champion two fights ago. So it's not uh, you know if he had never beaten Patricia or something, absolutely this fight no problem. But the fact that he has that win and it's one and one with him, like so you you can talk about okay you know it, that fight was very definitive. But Peter Quilly one more big win. Let's say if he did beat Vincent Anderson, he'd be right back in that conversation again. But now with yeah, this, even that Brent Brent Primus fight they tried to put together yeah. before it. Yeah, yeah, I I think that'd be a good fight too. But yeah, this I don't know. It just it just makes no sense. And it's not even like a good comeback fight for Quilly in terms of it's a tough fight because you know Ken Musa. I'm not, I don't know if the betting odds are out yet or anything. But I I think Ken Musa would probably be a favorite for this fight. Even though I, I would probably just oh, about no fancy winning. No think way. So now? No, no. Peter will be a big, big favorite. I'd Do you say. Think so? Okay. Fair yeah, enough. yeah. I'd say so. Pull up the odds there and see. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. But I don't. Uh, think, I don't think there are any odds yet. But I, I didn't see yet. any on best fight odds or anything. But okay. uh, yeah, no. I, I, I'd expect Quilly, you know, coming off title fight against Musa. I expect him to be a sizable favorite. Yeah, uh, maybe you might, you might be right, but and it's actually his birthday today as well. So happy birthday, Peter Quilly, fair play to him. Um, yeah, but like Kane Musa on his day is a very, uh, very a fighter, s- yeah. hard style matchup for anybody. You know, he's a difficult guy to to look good against. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be in agreement with you. I wouldn't be as uh, passionate about it, but uh, yeah, I would have preferred a, a different matchup. Yeah, it's just, it feels like it's this fight away from being a magical card altogether. Like imagine if this was Benson Henderson here, even though you know that might be the best fight in the world, but I just feel like on paper you know and this fight I'm sure will be good in practice and all I'm just being an old nincompoop and as, as Peter once said before about me I always have something to give out about so just, it is appropriate I suppose that I, I give out about this fight but um, yeah it, look it, 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 won't, it won't be a bad one I just, I just think 
Like, I feel like they're a bit similar in the way they've both fighting the outside or lighting the feet and throw shots inside. I just think Kane hits a little bit harder than Peter. And, you know, Peter got a, a heavy enough foul shot there in that last fight. And it's only four or five months ago, so it's not that long. You know, I'm sure Kane will be looking to hit that chin and do it again. But, you know, Peter... And this is a big opportunity for Kane as well. Massive, you know, coming yeah. in there against a guy in his hometown. And if you can if you can upset the crowd here, upset a guy who's just fought for the title... All that that's a that's a huge uh, a huge save for Kane if you can take advantage of it. Yeah, 100%. so for him for him like for Queedy might be thinking, oh, you know, I would have preferred a kind of bigger name or a better matchup towards the top of the division. He might be a bit you know hard to get up for compared to the Portuguese Bitbull or the Bitbull fight. But uh, yeah. for Kane, this is this is a huge opportunity, and he'll be going in there giving it his all. So yeah, I think I think it is a difficult matchup. He'd be giving it socks. Um, Prime Morgan's Jarnell Lou got in, opening up the main card. This uh, this is a this is a fantastic fight. Uh, Brian Moore put up there recently, you know, it's it's a fight for the best striker in the division, and I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but I, I I love the way Brian Moore has improved over the last few years. I love his striking skill set, and I think. I think it's hard to find anyone in that division who is maybe as technically nice as Brian Moore in that division. I don't think I don't think Lugo is on that level of kind of technical uh, ability is the wrong word, but like the, the production of technique in a fight. But he he produces something very different. I think I think he's more loose kind of on the foot and on the back foot. Sorry, not and that's not a positive or a negative compared to Brian Moore. It's just the way he fights. Um, I watched one of his fights as well. It was actually a fight outside Bellator in the middle of the pandemic, and it was a great fight. He fought it like, his name was like Contavarius or something, and he was switching stances. He was fighting out of the southpaw stance in that one. Watched his next fight in Bellator, and he was fighting out of the orthodox for basically... For one fight, he fought basically the whole fight orthodox and switched the odd time. Then he fought the next fight basically the whole fight in Southpaw and then switch a little bit and throughout. So if you're Brian Moore and you're preparing for this, it's a very, very hard fight to prepare for. Very well-rounded. You know, he's up there in the rankings and this, you know, is an important fight as well because at the moment in Bellator, the, um, the, the tournament is just about to start or will be starting soon anyway. But as we see in all of these tournaments, someone will emerge outside of the tournament. And, you know, we have the Brett Johns fight here, and we have, uh, I think, Josh Hill as well is not in the tournament. You know, a win here for Brian Moore could see him next time fighting, maybe even in the main event against someone like a Brett Johns if they come back in September like they have been, uh, you know, pre-pandemic and things like that. It, this could be a massive, massive fight for Brian Moore, especially after losing the last one as well. And you talked earlier about, you know, Bellator cutting people and giving them tough matchups. Look what happened to Kiefer Crosby. He got fucking Georgie Carcanyon and, and then he was gone and Will Flory got cut out of nowhere. Richie Smullen got cut out of nowhere. It, it's it's a massive fight for Brian Moore and it, look, if it goes wrong, it could go very, very wrong in terms of the future in Bellator. But if it goes right... He could be the guy who's fighting Brett Johns and fighting for a title in a year's time. And, I, you know, that might sound like a lot or it's, it sound like a bit of hyperbole. But when you look at all the other eight guys being tied up in the tournament, someone outside of that tournament will have to emerge from when the tournament's over. And, okay, the tournament will take a long time, but that that's kind of going to happen too. So it's a massive fight for Brian Moore. I know you've known Brian for a, a long time and seen him train. Good fight in, uh, against Lugo and, and, and a, finally kind of a, a name that Brian Moore deserves, I think. Yeah, like Brian Moore, obviously he's been fighting for a long time, and he he's been a very good fighter for a long time. But in the over the last three or four years, or maybe even 
five years now at this stage. Uh, he his running Bellator has been really good. He's really put it together his whole game. Uh, you know, I don't think the matchmaking has been very kind to Brian Brian so far. But as you said, this is a kind of good chance to restate your position in the division and obviously uh, for his opponent uh, Lugo it's a big step up in experience and uh, we talked about before the crowd and all that stuff and they're they're definitely going to be behind Brian Moore and uh, it's a a difficult place to go into for Lugo but but he definitely has ways to win this fight as well Brian Moore you know if he gets sloppy or makes mistakes he uh, he could be punished here but you know I'm excited for this fight I'm expecting Brian Moore to to get it done but there's, there's definitely methods of victory both ways yeah, 100%. It's, look, this is a pick em fight. Make no mistake about that. Uh, and I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to... Uh, I think Brian Moore's up at the media there this week. I'm looking forward to speaking to him there as well because he said a lot of things. You know, Well, he didn't say much, actually, but he, he put up a post after his last fight and saying the preparation for the last fight wasn't great and and all of that. And, you know, he's, he's, I think it was a mindset thing. So it'd be very interesting to see how he's doing this week and how he enters that fight as well. So massive massive fight for Brian Moore to, to open this a massive fight for Irish MMA uh, as well and you know the Queely one is as well I know we kind of glossed over and we're talking about the fight itself but if Queely wins that he's still in that conversation and he's ranked as well so you know Bellator sometimes they do give matchups like this but when you are in that rankings there's always a chance you get a big name or a big fight so I think it's important for Queely to stay in there and a, a big one in, in that one for him as well so Sinead Kavanaugh versus Liam Court. I talked to uh, both Sinead and, and Leah over last week uh, and those they'll be out in Sherdog this week or maybe they'll be already out by the time this comes out. Who knows? Um, and they bo- look, they both seem confident. They both seem like happy enough. It seems like the preparations are going well. It was, it's a bit awkward like asking one a question about the other and the other a question about the other. But they kind of, they, they, you know, they were both saying similar things that they did a bit of training together, not too much. Sinead kind of said to me that you know, they subconsciously maybe distanced themselves from training when Leah got into Bellator and it was, you know, Sinead was brought in to help Leah after Leah lost her pro debut because she needed help with the striking and stuff and then uh, Leah just happened to be out, I think it was at Israel maybe, for uh, one of Sinead's fights and ended up cornering her but um, th- maybe, look, look, it's not team Ed versus team Ed. They, they have trained together in the past but it, it is Irish MMA fighter versus Irish MMA fighter, ranked fighter versus ranked fighter and this is for the for the scene you know we, we like to support our own over here in ireland and, and talk about them and you know look at their fights coming up like we have done with brian moore while respecting the opponent as well but this time the opponent is an irish fighter whichever side of it you're looking for and it's it's unusual for us isn't it? i know why we had this with paul redmond and um and uh, norman no. park uh, and look we have it we've had it fucking 10 times in the last two days or more but uh, with the Amis and everything like that but at this yeah. level we've never it's had that yeah yeah yeah, it's different than amateur, and it definitely, it definitely is the thing I don't really push for. I don't really want to see that that much. But having said that, I, this is a really interesting fight. You know, you mentioned they train together, they know each other. There's definitely adds a dimension to it. Have they have they kind of worked things out that each other do well and each other don't do well from from training together, things like that. You know, Sinead Cavanaugh has been in there with um, a lot more experienced girls and bigger fights. Uh, you know, you look at a record, you say, oh, four and four 
in her last eight fights, but there's a there's a cut stoppage in there that shouldn't have been stopped, and there's a split decision and a, a ridiculous majority decision against Leslie Smith, and there's a loss to, to Cyborg in a, in a fight that like she 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 struck with Cyborg, she went for the she went for the killer be killed, and unfortunately unfortunately against Cyborg that's a big risk, and that's what happened. But if, uh, she she's much more. Um, She's she's in much better form than her record would suggest. Uh, re- recent form than her re- uh, record would suggest. And for for Leah, obviously she's kind of been um, fighting girls who were nowhere near the experience that Sinead has been fighting. But she's been developing very well. I think this fight may be coming too early for Leah. Like I, 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 I'm I'm I'm. I'm Pretty confident that Sinead will will be able to get the job done on the feet as long as she can she can avoid getting getting taken down early. You know, it, it, Leah definitely has has ways of winning this fight. If this fight happened in a few years, maybe I, I'd pick Leah. But I, definitely at this stage, uh, I think the the safe pick is, is Sinead here. But both girls have uh, methods of victory, and it's, it's, it's definitely. Um, you know, uh, things to look out for, like the, like the training together, and like the the f- the fact that their friends might play into it a bit, or not friend, not not like best friends or anything, but they're like cordial, and you know, they they've never had a problem with each other, and it's just a different, it's just, it's a different element that maybe they're not used to, but that might um that might play a little factor in the fight, but I I don't see it being a, being a huge factor. Having said all that, yeah. so yeah, I think uh, I think Leah maybe is a little too soon for her and Sinead will probably be able to use her striking to, to get it done here yeah I, I, I'm when, when the fight was announced I thought Sinead straight away like I thought Sinead is going to be my pick but the closer it's got I'm t- like I'm, I'm not I don't know if I've gone to Lee or not but I, it's more 50-50 for me because look it is the old fashioned striker versus grappler and I put it to both of them they both kind of said the same like okay you know Leah kind of said if it goes to the ground I'll have an advantage but I'm not it's you know Sinead is good there too or if it's on the feet look Sinead will probably advantage and I'll be good there too and Sinead said the, you know the exact same thing vice versa if you get me um and now that's the way this fight is look i it's 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 going to be difficult i think it's going to be harder for Sinead to put leah away in the striking maybe than it will for leah to finish Sinead on the ground if that makes kind of sense now it could go to the decision as well and we could, we could be stuck in between but i think i think it's very very interesting i think leah is going to have to be very safe on the field against Sinead and if she can pick her moments and take the fight to the ground look she's a black belt in jiu-jitsu now and that means something uh and you know leah is her her throws her judo her wrestling is is very very good you know she's not the best on the feet she's not the fastest on the feet uh, in the world and if Sinead can kind of stay away from her and jab her and not get taken down look Sinead's going to win that fight by unanimous decision I think most people w- would probably agree with that but if she can you know if Leah can catch her a couple of times put her on the ground Leah could get the finish or she could you know stay on top and, and win that unanimous decision as well so it all co- look it all comes down to that this to me is very much I'm going to sit in the fence of this one uh, as a, as a, you know a lot of Irish and people probably are but I I genuinely think if I thought someone would blow the other person out I would I would say it as I said at the tar- start I thought Sinead but now I don't know I really look at this is it all comes down to if Liam McCourt can get the fight to the fence or get the fight to the ground um, because I think on the field I do think Sinead will outpoint her and, and will kind of dance around her and use her, her boxing and we've seen like it's not like we're saying that because Sinead used to be a boxer or not. she did that to um, to Leslie Smith now Leah's a lot bigger 
and stronger than Leslie Smith in terms of if she wants to get the fight to the ground. But just the point is that Sinead can do it. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the fight plays out. And uh, whoever the winner is, you know, they'll be right up there again. If Sinead wins that, she's right in the mix to, to fight Cyborg, maybe with one or two more wins. And if Leah wins it, she's probably the number one contender at that stage. And that, to me, like I asked Leah about that as well. And you can listen to the answer, I suppose, when, when it comes out. But... You know, basically what she said is, you know, I was like, are you ready for that? And she says, look, if if I win this fight, I'm going to have to fucking be ready for it. And she didn't say fucking, I imagine that in. She wouldn't say that. She wouldn't be as vulgar as me. But, um, yeah, I th- uh, look, it's a massive fight for Irish MMA. And uh, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So, what a, a pretty good card. I think we've, we've broken it down well. We will have another breakdown with all the lads from the old triangle as well. Maybe one or two special guests, even if we get them live stream eight o'clock on Monday. I'll be doing a shoey as well, live, live shoey. I promised last week that I'd do one. So uh, tune in for that. It'll be up on the Severe May Twitter and um, YouTube and Facebook, I believe, as well. So if you want to ask any questions, I think YouTube is the only place you can do it now, but everyone has a YouTube account anyway. So hop onto YouTube, throw some questions at us there in the live stream and make sure uh, make sure to sign in for that as well. Um, Right, one or two more things, Graham, before I hand it over to Sean Sheehan here to break down last night's fights. Um, the Irish Amateur Championships were on this weekend. I know you watched most of those fights. It was great to hear the, the lads, uh, Ian and, and Quilch and Andy, doing a bit of commentary on it. I watched most of the fights today. Um, I was very impressed with some of the fighters. I, I, look, I don't think... I, I actually spoke to Leah about this as well, and she was saying about the amateurs and how it's harder when you have a three-minute round to for the better fighter to look good. Um, and there's a lot of like just barreling into someone, getting the takedown, and once you have the takedown, you have two minutes on top and in the round's over, and you don't have the ability to show the quality. And I think, I, I think maybe this is a point for another day and maybe a speaker's corner or something, but I think the three, three minute rounds for amateurs, I just don't think it works. I, I think it's, it's something that should be passed and gone. Uh, I... Even if you move to one five-minute round, I think it might be better. Or if, you know, have a different type of scoring criteria even, where if it's an even, you know, or if it's a split and the first five minutes, go for another five minutes or something like that. You know, it's only a minute longer, but I think you need that time to work. Tough format, the ultimate fighter uh, format. Yeah, yeah, I I think you need a tougher, or um, you need longer to work in MMA. And when you're learning MMA as well, especially, you know, if you're trying to get your striking out, rushing into striking because you only have three minutes or after a minute and a half of a takedown rushing in to try to get the finish or try to land your shots when you don't have too much time is it to, to do it is not a good way to learn I don't think and that's what I kind of noticed with this a lot of it was like push a guy against the finish and there was I, I thought the ability to show skill in these fights was the only thing that was lacking there was great heart great industry the lads were trying things you saw bits of it like the start of that Tristan Barnett uh, Dan O'Sullivan fight that I watched uh, on on Saturday morning you could see Tristan was doing well but Dan barreled into him and he won that fight and fair play to him he deserved it the same I think the start of the uh, the Conor McCarthy Colin Maher fight and I know they were kind of giving out about the result in that but I thought it was 50-50 one I thought they just got about uh, got it just about right but the start of that like the first minute or two that was a great fight the start of it but then it kind of it all went into it not to take away from anyone or anything but um yeah i was impressed by cameron clemens as well but i i just think uh, it looks like the quality is lower than it may be because we I, i just think the rule sets are not working right and i would love to see that adjusted a little bit and maybe they can, you know, because I obviously Irish have made the eye man. We know all the rules that have been implemented over the last while. But well, what did you think? I know you watched it yesterday as well and saw a little bit more of me. Anyone stand out for you or any thoughts on, on the amateur? 
Yeah, like on just on what you were saying, it does. It do, I can definitely see arguments for it being a five minute round just as well to prepare people for pro five minute rounds and not having to make that adjustment. And it, it, it could be something to look at, but uh, I think it's pretty set in stone. There isn't much talk about changing it, but I can, I can definitely see an argument for it. Guys can just kind of, if there's a, a takedown two minutes into the round, they can kind of think, oh, well, I don't really need to expend too much energy to get to my feet. Or I don't even think that that's really in the mindset or of most guys. But there's kind of ways of of um, holding on and not really taking too many chances. And if you if you do land a couple of big strikes at the start of the the round, you you can just kind of push the guy up against the fence and look for a takedown, and you kind of have the the round in the bag if you can if you can keep that up. But in the loads of these guys are like you know making their their amateur debut or their second ever amateur fight or you know very early in their in their amateur careers and you know any fights is, is absolutely great for them I think uh, uh, you know these guys just need more and more experience and even if it is three minute rounds and even if it is a, a bit of a, a sloppy grapple fest it, you know they, they need to go through this they need they need these steps in their career uh, at a very at a very young age for the other guys maybe or uh, Solomon Simon people like that who are more developed uh, maybe it would be better uh, to have another category where you can step up to five minutes but yeah I don't really see any of this happening uh, I was impressed though with uh, with Keith Kyo's uh, jiu-jitsu he's obviously moved to 6-0 and he beat Ryan Kyo who's another big prospect in the in on day two and obviously um, Jamie Abbott uh, Bissett uh, was, was the first fight of the second day with, with a nice neck crank over Ross Querney who's an experienced amateur guy as well so yeah, there's there's definitely um, uh, some standout guys there. J- Jordan Fury had a nice uh, TKO in the in the first round, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, Cameron Clements looked very good as well. There's, there's loads of guys looked good, and there was uh, there was. I know what you're saying though. There's there's definitely um, you know some fights in there where where the standard wasn't wasn't great but you know that's to be expected when these guys are so young in their amateur careers I think yeah 100% and, and when we're recording this as well it's before the finals so um, we will have the results up uh, I think Queech is going to have them probably Sunday evening or, or Monday on, uh, on severemail.com and uh, the lads in the All Triangle will break that down more as well so if you haven't subscribed to them yet uh, please do they're talking about all the stuff like that you know the amateur scene the clan wars, the cage legacies and all of that. So, you know, we, we talk about it often here, but we want somewhere dedicated to do that on Severe MMA. And, to, you know, we got the uh, we got the other podcast going to do that as well. So tune into them. And if yeah. you want to support Irish MMA, support the lads and, and give them a subscribe and all of that. Just, um, just another quick point before you move on there. I think the, the Tristan Barnett, Dan O'Sullivan uh, fight from today is a good example of maybe a guy who has a lot of tools in Tristan uh, and who would have benefited from a five minute round. I think uh, 100%. you mentioned you mentioned that in the WhatsApp group. Uh, uh, you know, but things like this, like uh, a unanimous decision loss against Dan O'Sullivan, just kind of being grappled and getting tired and not being able to pull off the triangle that he nearly had at the end of the round. Maybe if he had another 10 seconds or if he had two minutes, he probably would have got the finish. And, you know, he, he, he dominated on the feet, but that's an experience he needs to have to, to improve. You know, that's his second ever amateur fight. So valuable experience for these guys that will stand to them and they can go back obviously the, the guys that lost and, and rebuild from this and improve 
hundred percent, and the dogs don't like that one. But I, I, I would tend to agree with it. Right, let's uh, quickly look at the cards next week. The there's a KSW card. Uh, Phil DeFries is fighting against Darko Stosic, and that should be a fun one for the heavyweight title. I believe Sean Ninny will have a pre a preview for that. Uh, and Adrian Bartonski, who's eleven and zero, he's fighting in the co-main event uh, as well here in a hundred and seventy pound uh, title and there's, uh, or fight even. And there's lots of uh, you know lots of the the old. Uh, uh, you know, reliables, I suppose, and, and KSW, and lots of good up and comers as well. So, looking forward uh, to that. I'll probably end up catching it sometime next week because uh, we, uh, we'll be away in Dublin. We'll have lots of stuff to do. So, that one is, uh, I suppose, a, a car that's flying under the radar, but Phil DeFries always turns up and always puts on a, a, a winning display anyway. And then in the UFC, uh, Benil Dariush versus uh, Makachev was obviously supposed to be the headliner. Uh, there was supposed to be lots of bad, fights in this. Bad injury to Dariush was it a broken leg? Was it? Was it? Oh, I didn't hear that. Actually, I didn't uh, hear it at all. I, I, I saw somebody talking about it on Twitter, so I, I, I can't even remember who it was. So that might be fake news. Could be fake news. Yeah, definitely, says, definitely check, check that. It says here on topology ankle injury. So yeah, maybe. But like there. Uh, Murkadov versus Serkinov is supposed to be on this Ryan Spann versus Kutalaba Rosenstruck versus Tybora lots of good fights fell off it and we're left with a card that there really isn't that much on it like looking up here through the undercard I think Alejandro Perez versus Jonathan Martinez won't be bad uh, Terence McKinney had a great UFC debut one of the fastest ever he's fighting Faraz Ziam I think that'll be good other than that you know Armin Petrosi and Gregory Rodriguez I'm a massive fan of Joel Alvarez him against Armin Saryukin that's a great fight and that that would probably be the co-main event um, Bahamundas versus Hong or Rong or whoever that lad is and then Wellington Tournament Misha Sorkinov in the co-main not a bad fight either but the, like the, yeah, the hard men, one to pick as well yeah I, I, I don't know I wouldn't be able to pick him out from a lineup. Never mind. Pick who's gonna, <laughs> never mind who's going to pick the fight. But Bobby Green, yeah, he, he, he couldn't pick Misha I, I know Misha Sarkinov, but the other lad, well, like, who's well like the Turbul? He so, sounds delicious. Whoever. He- I'm fully now in fairness I'm fully Bellator Dublin oriented for next week. So the UFC stay away from me UFC for next week. Makacha versus Bobby Green. Has Bobby Green any chance? Oh, yeah, um, he does, he's not really a guy with knockout power or that much stopping power. I just see him getting dominated uh, here. It's a really bad, really bad matchup for him. Really, really bad. Um, he's obviously a very confident guy. He backs himself and yeah, he's probably go out there and try and stay on the outside and jab. And You know, he's looked very good. Uh, he's kind of got rid of that inconsistency that I've talked about in the in the past. But even consistent top form, Bobby Green has a, has a huge... Huge uphill challenge here. I think. Uh, I think it's a very difficult fight for him to win. But it's MMA. Anything can happen. I don't see it happening. Though. Yeah, like Bobby fought last week, and he like he's. I suppose he's kind of going to need to do what he did last week: stay on the outside, run around, run away. This is a fucking five round fight as well. Five five minutes, uh, as we talked about earlier on as well for poor old Austin. So this is, um, you know, it's going to it's going to be a tough matchup. But, but like. Oh, you get time in the knee or an yeah. uppercut or something, maybe. Yeah. But I always think in against fighters like a Makachev or a Habib. Now, this is probably not the best thing to say on on a week and a half's notice, but bear with me for a second. I actually think like technical evasive striking is the best way to beat those lads, and that's the way Bobby Green fights. So now that all that takes to to end is one takedown, which I think Makachev will probably get, but. 
I actually, funnily enough, think Bobby Green at times could be a bad matchup for Makachev. But Makachev, for probably like 24 to 25 minutes, would be a bad matchup for Bobby Green. So it's probably... If, he, uh, probably if, if Bobby Green would be meticulous and kind of make it a really boring fight where he just yeah. barely outpoints him and doesn't really let anything happen you know that that's probably his best method of victory that's i agree with that as well yeah that's exactly what i was thinking about look will that happen i don't know we'll i suppose we'll have to wait and see but it's actually it's you know it's a fight i'm kind of looking forward to. i was obviously i was massively looking forward to benny larius against mccatchev even though i didn't think it was the right fight to make so maybe it's a little bit of a blessing in disguise but not for benil who was probably the guy a little bit of ahead of mccatchev but maybe it's also a blessing that he doesn't have to fight him <laughs> so fair play to him but um yeah i'm looking forward to bobby green versus uh versus mccatchev anyway uh all right uh let's hand it over to sean Sheehan here to talk about last night's ufc take it away shawnee Thank you very much, Shawnee, and I'm being joined today, uh, tonight, this morning, by uh, Ian O'Neill all the way over in Canada. It's a very, very, very windy and rainy Newcastle West here. What's it like over in Canada, and It's snowy, I suppose. Is it cold? You said to 29 degrees yesterday, but minus 29. Uh, minus 29 yesterday, uh, zero degrees today, and we're back to probably minus 25 tomorrow, so crazy weather over here. Uh, it was... A zero degrees over here is uh, keep the windows open and bring some fresh air into the house. So it was nice to do that today. <laughs> Jesus, fucking hell! Uh, and I, you'd be surprised uh, how, yeah, I don't know. It's weird over here when it gets to minus twenty-five. Like zero degrees actually feels a little bit warm. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, I used to work in uh, I used to work in Palace Foods here down the road in Newcastle West, and they have deep freezers, and then they have other areas which are like two or three degrees, you know, kind of, but cold. But when you come out of the freezer and you go into like the two or three degrees, I'd be taking off my jacket and I'd be going around in a t-shirt and everything. And like, ah, oh, this is this is lovely and, and bammy. But anyway, we'll, we'll get into I these remember, ones. I, I remember when I first moved over here, uh, I like moved over here in 2016 yeah. and I came from Ireland and it was just coming out of, uh, out of the winter. It was around maybe late April coming into May and it, I thought it was cold enough over here and I seen a lad walking around in a shorts and t-shirt and I was like, what the fuck is that lad doing at all? Eh? But now I am that lad in the short and t-shirt when it, late April and May comes around because once, once you get air, small bit of sunshine at all now, you want to just get out of the, you have to bundle up in the winter. You want to get out of all the bundled clothes and into into some lightwear as they say. Yeah, well, I'm currently here in shorts and a t-shirt in, in an old shed with no insulation, with no heat on and I'd say it's about two or three degrees so I'm not, I'm not far off but anyway let's get into these fights uh, we'll talk about the two main events and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, uh, what, what came after them look there wasn't a lot on the card tonight some nice knockouts some nice finishes and stuff but both of these Bellator 274 and the UFC fight night card it was it was really down to uh, the main events first of all we, we've just watched the Logan Sorley versus Neiman Gracie fight so let's react to that first look my thoughts on it were I, I called it completely and utterly wrong I thought this fight would go to the ground I thought we'd see scrambles I thought Logan Storley would take him down I thought Gracie would try to make it into a scramble and fight and Storley wouldn't allow him but there was none of that I think there was one or two takedowns maybe in the whole fight and it didn't really stay there there was a couple of scrambles and it got back to the feet Storley very evidently stood up in the first round and kind of that was the end of it nearly at that stage but f for me the story of the fight was Logan Storley landing the harder shots uh, at the midpoint of the fight he got very very tired uh, well not very tired but a bit tired and then Gracie you know upped it a bit I think most people had the third round for Gracie but four and five were very very close too um, I think 
I think four four was one of the the rounds of the year. It was a mad round. It was it, well, it was. I don't know what it'd be around the year, but it was mad round of the year anyway. I thought Story was going to get finished at one stage. Didn't he almost knocked out Gracie? And I think he did more than enough to to kind of take that fourth round. And in the fifth, I thought Gracie was running it up until the last minute, but Story Story ended up getting the unanimous decision and, and definitely won it. Look, it wasn't the best fight in the world. It was a, a stand up. Um, kickboxing match between two grapplers if we're being realistic about it but I think Logan Sorley absolutely did show improved striking and he shows something that he would need to show in future if he gets in that position where someone takes him down he knows that he can fight a little bit uh, on the feet not the most high tech you know m- matchup in the world that wasn't exactly fucking Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blachowicz or anything like that but a, a fun fight uh, about as fun I suppose as two grapplers fighting for 25 minutes on the feet can be what, what did you think of it you know? I, I I did enjoy it. Now I, I enjoyed the fight overall. Um, I it kind of is a case normally when two grapplers we've seen it time and time again. Like when they they do come back, come, um, fight one another, it does generally tend to lead to a striking battle. And um, I thought you know Logan Story fought well, and the first two rounds I think Neiman Gracie couldn't really handle his striking, and I thought both fighters kind of looked tired towards the end of the second round and Neiman Gracie came into it into the third round. The fourth round was crazy. I mean, both fighters got hurt. Um, it was a really entertaining round. And um, the fifth round was another close round too. I, I, I had it scored maybe, I think, 49-46 with giving Neiman Gracie round three and Logan Storley all the rest of the Same rounds. Here, yeah. Um, I, I, I saw the scorecards, you, you know, they were all a little all over the place, but you know, there's an argument for, for the scores to be like that as well. You could maybe argue round five for Neiman Gracie, although Logan Storley, I think, finished that round well enough for me to give him that. But, um, yeah, I thought it was a great, uh, an entertaining fight as such. Like, And, you know, we were crying out for five round non-title, uh, five round non-title fights in Bellator, and, and this is a perfect example of why you know the the fourth round in this fight was uh, was really entertaining and Neiman Gracie uh, came back at it and it was an interesting fight and I would it would have been a shame if I had it ended after three rounds yeah. really although I think after three rounds a lot of people would have said let's end it after that because <laughs> maybe it wasn't the well, most exciting but uh, the, two, the way the two fighters were looking I'd say that they <laughs> yeah, would have been yeah. glad that, <laughs> they would have been glad if it had been three rounds <laughs> yeah. let's call it a day there lads yeah I'd say it would have been but um, yeah I, I don't think there was anything wrong with the scores so the scores were 48, 47, 49, 46, 50, 45 all for Storley and look I, I think um the third and the fifth could have gone either way. So that's basically what happened there. You know, one one judge gave the third and the fifth both for him. One judge either gave him the third or the fifth, and one judge didn't give him the third or the fifth. So I think that that's fair enough. There's nothing wrong with that. Two very close runs. I, I actually tweeted out, I thought Gracie was ahead uh, after four minutes of the fifth round. But I think, as same as what you said there, that Storley did enough, and that's why I gave it him uh, four rounds to one as well. But either way, look, Storley won the fight. I don't... Think there's much of an argument, honestly, for three rounds for Neiman Gracie in there anywhere. Maybe the four. The four wasn't a million miles away. It wouldn't have been a complete robbery, but the judges absolutely got it right. Uh, and I winner, tell you, if, if Gracie didn't get hurt from in the four, oh yeah, yeah. In, uh, that would have been a big momentum shift, and it would have been brought brought 
great confidence decision, for Gracie going into the fifth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it would have been a split decision then, I think. But Michael C. Williams yeah. also read it, the cards out really weirdly, and it sounded like it was a split decision, but it wasn't. Anyway, anyway, uh, Storley called out uh, the winner of the fight versus MVP and Amasov. You know, he arguably beat M- Amasov already, lost that decision, a close fight. It wasn't robbery by any means or anything. So uh, I don't know if Bellator will line that up or not, or if they have someone else lined up. Uh, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what he does next and the improvements from Storley. I suppose in the co-main event, while we're talking about the 170-pounders, uh, Andre Koroshkov got like a, what is it, 38-second KO spinning kick uh, to the to the ribs. I thought it was the liver first, but no, on replay, it was right to the ribs. And it was one of those ones, I thought, I said, I said saw someone tweet it, it kind of like disconnected the, the upper rib from the, the, the rest of them or something like that because he yeah. just nailed him with it. Koroshkov is a player in that division too, isn't he? He is, oh my god, it was a beautiful spinning back kick and uh, like yeah, landed right in the upper rib and you could see uh, transfer encounter, he was immediately hurt and immediately went down and it was just, the quickness of it was like wow, um, that's not the first time he pulled off a spinning back kick like that, I think he has another one of those as well uh, earlier on in his career but Korshikov called out Paul Daly after the fight and oh my goodness that's a fight I would love oh, to Lord. see, I hope. <laughs> tasty I love it oh. yeah that's big that it does is Paul Daly lined up on anyone for Bellator in, in May I wonder um yeah I, I'm not too sure actually um that's a good question I think that he said he wanted to fight one last mm-hmm. one last fight I think um on that but I hope he sticks around for this uh Korshkov fight yeah. because um that would be an absolute belter of a fight. Yeah, let's get that going, absolutely. The rest of the Bellator card then, uh, Adam Piccolotti kept getting takedowns against uh, Jordi Carcanyon. There was a one-stage Georgie almost had him hurt. I think it was in the second, but no, it wasn't, wasn't enough. And uh, Piccolotti ended up getting the, the, the takedowns there. I thought maybe, I knew Georgie would get probably taken down a couple of times, but I thought he might have enough to, to kind of stop the takedowns, but no, Piccolotti did very, very well. And I think he's kind of gone up another level as well, you know. What is he now, 17, 16, 17 fights into his career. This is where he kicks on, I think. And that's a massive win for him over Carcanyon. So good stuff. Brendan Ward bounced back as well. Uh, he got a great win over uh, a very, very outmatched and muscular Brandon Bell, who looked like the little dinosaur from Golden Axe. <laughs> his head off him, like his tail, his tail spinning around. He should have tried a spinning kick against Brendan Ward. It might have worked, but great to see Brendan Ward back after his troubles. Nolan King wrote a great article about that. Uh, Davion Franklin got a good win over Side Soma. Split decision. That was definitely a close one, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, you, you saw the uh, the KO Nick Brown uh, Manalo. I was watching the UFC. That was, that was a good one. That, that was probably a fight a lot of people are looking forward to, but Nick Brown got to finish there, Ian. Yeah, um, Nello kind of started off well, and it was an even enough fight in, for round one. And then, you know, um, Nello hurt Brown in round one. Um, but, well, I wouldn't say hurt him. He dropped him, sat him down with one, and it was a pretty over and back first round. But uh, Brown came out in round two and um, hurt Nello early with a straight right, I believe, and put him down and just finished him with ground and pound. It was, uh, yeah, it was a good finish by Brown. Um, I think it was a good win for him. Uh, he's a decent enough fighter, and uh, he'll move on in the lightweight division. Yeah, 100%. And uh, Jordan Newman, Justin just, uh, Montalvo, some of the up-and-comers in Bellator, undefeated, kept that undefeated run. But uh, Avi Ghazali lost. Did you see that fight? What happened there? I see it's a retirement at the end of the first round, did you see that one? I didn't know. I would have been watching the UFC at that oh, yeah. stage now. I didn't catch we'll, that. We'll, 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 we'll report back. Ask me in the Q&A, lads. We'll report back and tell you what happened there. So let's talk a little bit about it. But that, that's a big uh, blow for him. You know, Ghazali was... Uh 
you know, he was uh, a top prospect there, and I'm sure he still is. I don't know what happened there, but we, we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll report back to you, lads. Right, UFC. Uh, the main event, Johnny Walker uh, against Jamal Hill. Look, it was one of those fights where Johnny Walker, we, everyone said after the last fight that, that Johnny needed to add a little bit of maybe uh, variety, a little bit more... Uh, reckless abandon to his game and you know what we were all fucking wrong because he added that and he got his lights shut off very very quickly with a big big shot overhand right from Jamal Hill and put out like I thought I thought Johnny was I, I look when you when I picked this fight when I was looking at like oh I think it'll go long I picked the, the over 2.5 rounds I thought it might even go to a decision Johnny Walker 9 to 1 by decision was my flyer this week and I, I thought Hill would win but I thought it'd be close um but when Johnny Walker came out fighting the way he did in the first round, I kind of knew it would be a very, very big trouble for him because Jamal Hill hits so hard and he's not a stupid guy in there. He's not going to play that game with Johnny Walker. But if Johnny gives him openings, he'll absolutely take them. And I was very, very, very surprised that Johnny fought this game against Jamal Hill. I thought he'd fight a more defensive game and open up maybe a little bit more, especially if the fight went longer against a guy who's not that um, experienced and on a, uh, you know, five rounds on short notice. Maybe Johnny was a little bit worried about that as well, but I was surprised by the way he fought. What, what did you think about the way Johnny fought? And it's like, it feels like two fights in a row. People were surprised. Now, I kind of enjoyed the way he fought in the last fight and t- thought he maybe needed to just add a little bit to it, but it feels like he switched everything up I went back to the old Johnny Walker here. Maybe not totally, but in a lot of the ways, this was a more wild Johnny Walker here, wasn't it? Yeah, I said for his last fight, it was like, I think what he needed to do was try and find that balance of craziness and defense. And, you know, he came out maybe for the first minute of this fight and was kind of keeping his distance and landing some some good leg kicks and keeping Hill away with his leg kicks and, and he initiated grappling against the fence for a bit and and I thought that was his route to success but he slowly just threw that game plan away or quickly I should say maybe. like he got really wild it's like he got drawn into a wild brawl and that just fell into Jamal Hill's hands and we've seen the end result I mean it was a devastating knockout um, like Johnny Walker was out on his feet um, Hill showcased what devastating power he has and I mean that's it was a really impressive win but it was you know it was an impressive win but it was a win that was kind of given to Hill given Johnny Walker's fight tactics, really. I think he fought the wrong fight. He went to, into a firefight with someone who has some heavy, heavy power. And, uh, you know, hopefully he makes a full recovery because that was a bad knockout. It was a very, very bad knockout. I'm interested in what you said there, that he was drawn into it. And I, I wonder, was he? Like, I'd be, I'd be very, you know, you'd probably never find out, but I'd be very interested to ask Johnny himself or John Kavanaugh if... You know, the tactics were to come in and do what he did or the tactics were to be more patient like he was in the last fight. Because, look, a lot of people were, were giving out saying, oh, John Kavanaugh has ruined him and everything and he's taken away the fun Johnny Walker. But as you said there, and we, we said in the preview, I think we all kind of agreed, Johnny Walker needed that. Okay, he needed to add maybe a little bit more. But like, it feels like, you know, you said the phrase there, he needs to get back to the drawing board. It feels like he got back to the drawing before this fight and now he's going to get back to the drawing board again before his next fight. It's, it's, it's a bit worrying if you're a big Johnny Walker fan. But for Jamal Hill, he went out there and he did his job uh, and he knocked him out, as you said, in devastating fashion. Look, everyone knows I'm a big Jamal Hill fan. I've predicted that he'll be the champion this year in my bold predictions. Now, that might be a little bit too soon, depending on how the division goes. But... 
I'd see very, very, very few guys in that division that will stand up with Jamal Hill and beat him. Um, look, maybe he'll have to be taken down or, you know, maybe his jiu-jitsu is an issue. But I don't know. I, I feel like if you're judging him on the Paul Craig fight, that's probably the, <laughs> the, the bad thing to judge him on, as we discussed in the preview show as well. Uh, you know, we were kind of discussing on texting. You'd like to see him fight Anthony Smith, would you? I, do you know what? That's, I, I think that's... A very, very winnable fight for Jamal Hill. Not a bad fight at all. I maybe would like to see him fight someone else, but if he fought Anthony Smith, that's the one to get him up to division. And Anthony Smith's always game for a fight. And I think he'd probably take that too. Is that the one you want? It is. Yeah, that would be the one for me. I mean, I, I think what Smith is standing in, in fourth spot in the rankings now. Um, I think it'd be a good winnable fight for Hill. I think if Hill was offered that fight, he'd take that the hand and all to, if he was to give him that opportunity. So, I mean, I, I think it's a smart fight for him, a winnable fight for him, a good test against the veteran. You know, Smith has been looking well lately. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. Like, uh, maybe he wasn't as high on, on Jamal Hill as you were before this fight, but, you know, showing, showcasing the power there, it, that loss against Paul Craig is only will have done him favours. He'll have rethought things. He'll have looked at, at that mistake. And, you know, he's coming back a new fighter here. He's, he's not short on confidence, i tell you that. Uh, never was. And he'll come out with even more confidence into the next fight. And I'd say throw him in there with Hill and or throw him in there with Smith. And, you know, if he gets that win, he's right there in a title contention fight next. He, like, Hill could be maybe one, two fights away from a title shot now at this stage. Without a shadow of a doubt. No, no doubt about it, especially in a, in a division like that. Um... The rest of the card, in, you know, not not amazing. Kyle Dawkins got a good, literally like 40, uh, 59 seconds, four minutes, f- 99.9 of a second in the first. I said that totally arseways, but you know what I mean. With like a second I left. You're supposed in the to be good round. at maths. And no, I'm kind of terrible at maths. I hate numbers, like, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> the last second of the first round, anyway, uh, he got the tap to a to a, a darse choke. Uh, or I don't know, was it a fully a Darius choke or was it a modified guillotine? But it was a Darius choke anyway. They called it that uh, after a few nice right hands. Not too much to write home about that. Uh, park reporter Alan Badeau. A lot of people were shitting on that fight. I actually didn't think it was too bad, to be honest. I I enjoyed it. I think Park Reporter is one of those guys who was better cardio than a pudgy looking lad like him probably should have. But in the third round, he did get tired and Badeau kind of took over. And I thought he won the third round, but uh, Park Reporter ended up uh, winning the, uh, the unanimous decision. You know, close enough first round, I thought, there as well. Jim Miller. What more can we say about Jim Miller? Uh, it, it, unbelievable. I, I was sure he was gone in that first round. That right hand that hit him from Nicholas Mata was massive and it marked it was an indentation in the head in the skull of Jim Miller after that shot it was a massive right hand but he was I don't immediately even know how fine. he stood up after he, that shot he was grand he was like immediately fine I've never seen anything yeah. like it yeah. and then like the step in right hook KO plus a little bit of ground and pound afterwards it's hard to say much more about Jim motherfucking Miller is it it's unbelievable. Like, I mean, he's setting records at his age um, coming in there. That was like the first round when he took that shot. And then, you know, he, he was trying to get the takedown. It wasn't happening for him. 
it wasn't looking good after that first round. I mean, I was even talking to Harry on Twitter. I think I, was, I said to him, Jim needs to get the fight down as soon as possible. And then I quickly had to respond to him saying, no, he doesn't have to get him down because <laughs> he just knocked his ass out. Because Jim has done that a couple of times, hasn't he? Like he? Jim's the type of guy who makes in-fight changes like very few people. And I actually don't think he's given credit for it. Like, he's a... Do you know, he's a victim of having too many fights and too many good performances at times because you'd nearly forget when Jim Miller is fighting or you'd nearly forget who he's beaten and, and, and you know, the fights he's been in. So, fair play to him. Another, another great comeback and another great they, win. They were just talking about Jim Miller during the fight and talking about the introduction of the calf kick and everything like that. And they were saying that uh, Jim Miller introduced it into his kind of game for a 2010 fight with Nate Diaz. Like, that was unbelievable. I, I think Jim Miller is a legend and I, I can't wait to see him fight again. His ability to take a shot so late into his career is unbelievable and his willingness to win so late in his career as well, coming in against a young, hungry guy and all credit to Jim Miller. Yeah, 100%. Fantastic stuff altogether. Um, Joaquin Buckley and uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, a very, very close fight, a split decision. Uh, I had it for Al-Hassan. Uh, I think everyone had the second for Buckley. Everyone had the third for Al-Hassan. It was the first round. Uh, Buckley had a lot of takedowns and he had some nice ground and pound. Um, Al-Hassan landed some nice shots. He clipped him a little bit in the middle of the round and I thought he hurt him. But uh, one thing a judge... Uh, I will always say is the reaction after someone gets hurt. Like if someone is hurt, like like look at Jim Miller there. We said he got hurt, but it didn't really affect him that much and he was fighting grand afterwards. So you're not going to score that shot as hard as, let's say, the one that Neiman Gracie took in the fourth round where he got knocked down. He was all over the place for maybe 15, 20 seconds. I thought that was the case here and that's maybe what won Buckley the decision here. But I still, I thought there was enough in it to get it for Alisson. I scored it for him. I wouldn't call it a robbery. I, you know, I, I, very, very close decision. I think a lot of people were giving out that some people had scored for Alessand because of the takedowns from Buckley. The takedowns from Buckley. Like, it's always a bad sign when you get, like, six takedowns in a round because that means you're doing fucking nothing with them and the other lads just getting up. Like, so it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a weird, it was one of those fights where in the middle of the fifth round, I was thinking, like, Alassane is going to win this fight, even though he just stopped throwing punches for about nine minutes of the fight. Like, he, he just kind of took the second round off and did absolutely nothing. It was um, uh, it, it was a bad one. But uh, Stephanie Egerdin got an, an, an armbar, armbar against uh, Jessica Rose. Clark Chaz Kelly got a beautiful knee KO. Uh, he, uh, he nearly knocked fucking... Uh, Keith Peterson out as well. You see that? He, he, Keith Peterson, a belt of a right hand. <laughs> Jesus, he never I got tweeted it out there. You got, yeah. <laughs> he got a nice clip on the way in there, so he did. I'm going to be delighted. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they were saying, yeah. Chris yeah. will be laughing at that. Oh, but what a knockout as well, though, for David Onama against Gabriel Benitez. Beautiful stuff. Standing KO. That was... Or standing TKO even. Unreal. I know Onama didn't have the best starts to that fight. He got, yeah. got not hurt, but he got hit with a legal shot to the eye that bothered him. But he composed himself. And, and Benitez landed a couple of nice shots after that original one that, that kind of bothered Onama. But Onama, he composed himself. He got back there. We've seen him against Mason Jones at lightweight. Uh, he looked really good against Mason Jones, uh, made Mason Jones work really hard for that win. He moved down to the featherweight division to face Benitez, looked really good, has vicious power there. And, you know, if he stays going the way he's going, he, he could be a major player in the 145-pound division, but especially with power like that. 
100% yeah I, I really think a lot of him is I think he's very very good uh, we had three unanimous decisions then uh, at the first five fights of the card Gloria De Paula John Habir Samara Batista all won them and a lovely knockout as well for Chad Anlier who got the TKO with a, a bit of a left hook and, and, and ground and pound as well over uh, Jesse Schrader so that was a, a nice one there all in all, you know, a pretty good UFC card in terms of finishes, as you said, a nice armbar, a few nice knees, and then the Bellator card, a beautiful knockout by, by Koreshkov, and not a bad main event, and a beautiful knockout in the main event here uh, as well for Jamal Hill. So all in all, you know, not the most amazing night in, in terms of names or in terms of uh, consequence, I suppose, uh, in MMA, but uh, a very, very good night. Uh, in terms of uh, fun fights and, and fun finishes. And uh, if we had a night like this uh, every Saturday, we wouldn't be complaining uh, too wouldn't much. Wouldn't be too bad. No. The bare knuckle was on as well. I was oh, kind of yeah. keeping a half an eye on it. Chad Mendes won, uh, did he? Yeah, Mendes looked good. Uh, the guy he was he was fighting wasn't really on his level. I think uh, Mike Perry picked up a decision over Julian Lane as well. Uh, dropped him in the first round and then kind of coasted to a decision. Nothing too much to write home about. Beautiful. And uh, I watched the Mendez fight. He looked good. Um, you know, I was solid enough. He looked uh, beefy enough as well as did uh, Chad, M- Chad Mendez. God bless him. God bless him. Right, we will leave it there. Uh, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to The Old Triangle. You'll find it on all your podcast apps. Uh, if you're listening to this as well, wherever you're listening, please click the subscribe button. Click the like. Follow Ian O'Neill at IONEILMMA over on Twitter. Uh, follow at SevereMA. Uh, um, follow at SevereMAPod as well. If you're listening to this on Sunday or Monday, please fire us in a few questions. I'll answer them for the Q&A. That'll be out on Tuesday. And as well, we'll have a live podcast 8pm as I mentioned earlier on the show as well 8pm myself Ian Andy uh, Graham hopefully and maybe a few guests even as well to talk about Bellator Dublin uh, in more detail you can send us in your questions there we'll be doing a live Q&A and all of that so we uh, we will look forward to that and the Sean Sheehan Shui will be on that as well so look forward to that it's and in big big fight week and what better fight. way to start it only watching Sean do a Shui an old Shui um, I'll have to I pick up some harp wait. I'll have to pick up some harp if I don't have any but yeah and as well if you're any of you see me around Dublin or anything give us a shout and we'll have an old chat and we'll have an old pint maybe actually last time somebody, someone brought me up two pints while I was sitting on press row please don't do that because I can't take them off here like some lad was walking <laughs> away with like seven pints then afterwards I, I I think, it was, I think it was Philly, actually. May I think, was it Philly? I don't know, I can't remember, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, don't, don't do that, please. So, uh, also, someone bought me popcorn as well, and I was half eating the popcorn all night. I was like, DC's it in cage, so I'd eaten the fucking popcorn. We'll have a chat around the place anyway, lads, and the Noy Graham as well, that'd be absolutely fantastic. So, looking forward to it now, can't wait. As I said, we had a full breakdown already on this podcast, but we'll have more breakdowns throughout the week. Uh, we'll have articles up. Sean Dini has a KSW preview as well coming up, but I'm sure there'll be lots of other stuff about Bellator, the UFC, and all of that as well this week. And uh, subscribe as well to the Severe May YouTube because we'll have the videos up. I got my brand spanking new camera. I'll be live streaming the Wayans on uh, Thursday morning, hopefully, if the internet's working above there and all that good stuff. So, everyone, tune in. Thanks very much for listening to this. Ian, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to Graham earlier on for joining me as well. Thanks to each and every one of you for listening. Patreon.com forward slash SevereMed podcast. SevereMed.com. We'll see you all next time.